Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. We are less than two weeks away from the start of the 2024 MLR season. How you feeling? I'm excited. Ugh, it's great to be back in rugby season again. Great to be, to be, to be, I mean, you know, this time next week, we're going to be previewing a game. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Think about that. Can't wait. It's a great time of the season. And it's a great time of the season, too, because you, uh, everyone can be optimistic. You know, everyone, everyone's a winner in the off season, And that's, that's always, it's, it's a great time to feel good about your team. You know, all the new si- signings, you get to look forward to everything. So, yeah. I'm excited. You know, coming after last week's episode when we got to talk with Chris Dunlavey, one of the owners of Old Glory DC, and just kind of reflecting on that interview, you could, I could pick up on the passion and excitement in his voice. And he's a rugby guy. I mean, he talked about, and in, in an episode later that day on our rugby wrap-up, uh, he talked about when he was in Ireland not too long ago, still suiting up and playing, so... That guy's got rugby running through his veins, and obviously so does, does Paul Sheehy. So from the ownership down, I think you can reflect the passion. So it's certainly fired up for the season. AKP, let's jump right into it, because right as we were recording today, Old Glory DC made it official, adding two more players to the actual roster, right? We, we knew these players were added to the training squad, but fill us in who these players are and kind of what you think their contribution might be at the start of the season. Yeah, so... Palema Roberts and Bill Whiteside. So Palema Roberts is a, a center who was drafted by the team in 2021 and then was going to be in the, the 2022 season as his debut season, but he got injured in preseason uh, quite quite badly, and it, it's kept him out for the, the last two MLR seasons. And so he's... You know, reappeared on the training squad. He's cl- clearly stuck in the area, and now getting another shot at it. And he, he got put on the the training squad, which, uh, which when we were at that that fundraiser for DC Youth Rugby, um, the Old Glory's head coach sort of described the the training squad as a chance for those guys to to prove themselves. You know, these are guys who are maybe a little more on the margins and of of an mlr squad and that was their their chance to train with the team and sort of prove that they they belonged there and palema roberts one of the guys who made the cut and the other guy is bill whiteside who is a lock who was drafted by new york i think that was 2022 he was drafted by new york i don't remember whether he played last year but if he did it wasn't much and he obviously was was not picked up by any team in the the dispersal draft, and so he came onto the Old Glory training squad, got a chance to to prove himself like Roberts did, and now he's he they're both officially in the squad, full full members of the squad, and and it's good because it's sort of two areas where we could have used more more players anyway lock was lock wasn't bad i think we had four locks before and now we're at five but five is really the perfect place to be for locks that's that's the right number to to have and then center even with Palema roberts is still a a fairly 
uh, well, we got four, four-ish, four, 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 maybe five guys on the roster that could that play center. Certainly, two strong centers. We've got two. We've got two real centers, and now three with Palmer Roberts, and then you've got you've got guys who can play center. I mean, you've got Ishmael Shabazz who played who's played center at an amateur level, but but was a back three for New York. You've got and you've got some other players who who can play center and you know the coaching staff has expressed confidence that they have enough players who can play center that they're not going to have a problem but I remain slightly unconvinced. Well, to, to speak to those two, one Roberts, it's good just to see him back. Again, I know, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he was back in the training squad, but the fact that, you know, Two years ago, that last preseason game, you know, the knee injury that shut it all down from him, high draft pick, you know, you're like, is is his, is his career over, right? Because like, we didn't hear from him for a while, and he certainly was around and doing stuff. I think he was playing with the D.C. Touch group for a while. I ran out there once. I saw him running around. I'm like, this dude still has it. Um, so it's great to see him back because he was an exciting young prospect coming out of life, if I recall correctly. So be interesting to see what his minutes will look like the first part of the season and then Whiteside to your point and I, I could be wrong on this but I feel like Whiteside may be on the kind of that Eagles wider player pool I gotta imagine yeah he's yeah. been talked about in that context yeah, so, for sure you know it was interesting just relating back to our conversation with Chris last week they're they're certainly aware obviously of you know the the what's coming at the end of the season with the July internationals. Um, so they certainly have a, a plan in place for that, but you know, two quality guys from, from the training squad now up to the active roster. It's fantastic news, right? And they'll, they'll be depth players and they're not going to be starters, but you know, who knows? And, and we'll see what happens. Maybe they push the other players, but exciting stuff uh, right there. But that wasn't the only news AKP. That wasn't the only player news um in a position in the front row on the props where you've been banging the drum for the longest time about how we need more depth not a newcomer because he's been <laughs> with the squad before but his last name is newcomer quit newcomer of course a dc suburb native right i think grew up in fairfax yeah. virginia re-signed for the squad he went up to the you know he, he played up north with the bad guys up there the the you know the fo- the team who claims to own the colors red, white, and blue, which is ridiculous. Uh, but Quentin O'Comer, he is back, uh, re-signed for Old Glory DC. Your thoughts on him coming back, and then does it make you feel better that we've got some more depth there? I mean, absolutely, unquestionably makes me feel better that we've got more depth there. And, I mean, uh, yeah, five props was never going to be enough. And it was it seemed silly that we were we were... And especially since, you know, he was, he's a native to the area. He was on the roster last year. He, I mean, he's one of those, he didn't jump off the, you know, he didn't pop out when he was on the field and you were like, oh, wow, that guy's great. But he's a, a, a very serviceable, you know, backup bench player in, in the front row, like reasonably decent scrummager, recent, reasonably decent in, in open play, you know, the sort of guy where, and like yeah i'm not selling him hard here but but it's important to have those guys on the the roster because you know what if what if jack escaro gets injured for you know and for half the season and and we need someone to come in like 
perfectly happy to have Quentin Newcomer step up at that time and just to ha not have <laughs> Jack Scarrow play the whole time. It'll be interesting to see what side of the scrum he plays because we have so few props that I think a lot of guys are going to play a lot of different positions in the... Uh, they're going to sort of flip-flop which side they're on. But, yeah, I think it's it's good to have him back. I don't really know why he wasn't back in the first place. Yeah, and I guess yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. Like, why wasn't he back in the first place? And bringing him back now, obviously, depth, but is there a, some, an injury concern we're worried about? Is it... I don't want to speculate too much, but, like, it just... The timing just seems interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is a, a pretty late signing, and they they already announced the squad, so they're... Yeah. There could be could be something going on there, but I guess we'll we'll find out. Yeah, I will note that I recall a conversation. I think it was last year or so um, when uh, Quentin joined Old Glory DC when he came from the Free Jacks, and I was talking with Phil from the Jacks Rangers show, and he had mentioned. I guess I hadn't seen this, but apparently newcomer is one of the strongest players on the Free Jacks squad. I guess when it came to certain like weightlifting measurements. Apparently he was like either the squad or the something. He he was he was the team leader in certain measurements when it came to jacking up weight. So, hey, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and these he, you know, the there are only so many quality young American props in in MLR, so it it did seem weird that no one else picked him up either. You know, it's like you know, a serviceable prop who's domestic and young and has a chance to grow. I mean, they don't grow on trees. You'd think someone would have said, yeah, yeah, we could use one of those. We'll take him on. So I'm, it's one of those situations that like, I'd love to know why he was, was not on a roster until, until now. Yeah. It could be that he moved on. You never know. Sometimes yeah. guys just decide to, to call it a day on rugby and, and move on quietly with their lives. And I'd, I'd love to know. Well, you might be able to find out this weekend because Old Glory DC has announced that there's going to be an open practice on Saturday, I believe 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I believe it's free, open to the public. AKP, will you be in attendance there? Oh, yeah, obviously. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, it should be sunny this weekend, so a great chance to... Because I think the last time... They had like the stadium open. It was like a kind of a rainyish Scottish yeah, weather type of day, if I recall correctly. It seemed like it was going to be a great time, like you know, watch the World Cup in the yeah. in the stadium. But then it, <laughs> yeah, you, nothing you can do about the weather. And I, and I bring that up because um, America's Rugby News they had an article I think yesterday. They they highlighted all of the MLR stadiums. Yeah, and um, certainly some ones out there that have a great stadium experience, either a great location, right? Like we know where the Free Jacks play, you know, they call it Fort Quincy. It's a tough place for, for opposing teams to play. They pack it out, right? Chicago Stadium, big stadium, nice venue. I think the field is heated. That certainly helps San Diego Legion where they play on the campus of, um, was that San Diego State? You know, Houston has their own kind of like privately owned rugby one. Miami's got an interesting thing down there. I'm just going through them. Like Utah, great setup there. Old Glory DC, one of the few MLR clubs that are going to be playing on grass. And I think that is really important to bring up. 
That's actually not true. Uh, over half the, I actually counted it up, over half okay. the stadiums in the league this year are going to be on grass, okay. which hasn't been true. Mostly, yeah. there have been a lot of, there have been some criticisms indeed of, of you know, the quality of, of playing surfaces. And this year it's, it's actually going to be mostly grass. You've got a, you've got, I think, five teams playing on artificial turf and, and a couple of those are, are some pretty dodgy old artificial turf. I mean, the Free Jacks are probably mm-hmm. one of the worst defenders there. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think Miami is the field in, in Miami is, is particularly high quality either. But then you've got, you also have a few teams like Anthem's playing on a, an artificial turf, but, but brand new. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Utah is as well. And both mm-hmm. of them are, you know, certified up the wazoo and and all that stuff so yeah well i guess you know i bring that up mostly just because you know from and thank you for checking thank you for fact checking that um it's i think that's important for just the the player health and safety and just the long-term durability of the players throughout the year the fact that they're playing on grass and hopefully that that bodes well but again that open practices on saturday the field is grass as akp has confirmed and is yeah. The majority of MLR clubs are playing on grass. And so those those remaining holdouts, hopefully we can get that figured out. But I'm gonna try and make it. I'm gonna try and make it on Saturday. It's gonna depend on a couple of things, but um it'd be great to get out there and uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you haven't seen the, the stadium yet, have you? I've been I've been out there before. I've been to the Maryland Soccer Plex before for a number of different things, but not for an old glory DC event at least not yet so yeah um but moving on from that sticking in mlr uh as we're rolling closer to the start of the regular season we had a our first mlr preseason hit out and before we go through some of these scores here uh we we noticed you know we talked about this in the past at old glory dc at this point, right, like it's it's obvious they're not going to do a preseason game unless they announce something. Um, but they are doing that open practice because, and I bring it up because Seattle they played they had a preseason game. You know they they've got another one actually this week, but their first one they played the Pacific Pride ran them out of the stadiums to be expected. But their tight end prop Mason Peterson. Uh, lost for the season, season-ending injury. And AKP, I mean, I guess, one, it's risky, right, playing. Anytime you play, someone's going to get hurt. But it's it's risky having preseason games because someone can get hurt. And, yeah, obviously, coaching staff wants to see how the players perform under different certain situations and against other teams. But ooh, is it worth the risk to have some of these games played? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think I think there are cases where it, it makes a lot of sense, especially if you've got a new team or you've got a, a ton of new players or, you know, you've got a situation where you've got a, a new coach coming in who, who hasn't really had a lot of time to, to settle in and doesn't really know the squad that well. I mean, you know, when we played our preseason games last year, um, when Old Glory did, there was you know, that was part of how the starting lineup was being determined. We talked at the time, it was like, why aren't they just running out the starting lineup? But it it was, that was part of, you know, it was a, a time for the players to prove themselves. And I think, 
you know, that's one of those things that is just a philosophical difference. I think you can get a lot of value out of preseason games, but I also think, you know, you have to, you get what, you get out what you, you put in. And I, I certainly don't blame the coaching staff for not wanting to take that risk. And, you know, I think it's also, I quite like them as well for, for the, the players who maybe aren't going to get as much playing time throughout the season. You know, the, the ones who are, are lower down on the, the, the roster, you know, the, the, the depth chart, so to speak, and, you know, give them a chance to actually play against some opposition and get a chance to prove themselves. But with a, a more wide open uh, playoff structure this year, because we're expecting it to stay at eight teams, I think there are going to be more games towards the end of the season where what's on the line is not, you know, the postseason isn't on the line, especially if we're if we're doing well and we're in the top half of the conference, we're unlikely to miss out on the playoff. Then I think those opportunities to get those guys some time will come up anyway. So, yeah, that's an excellent point. That's actually that was the point that I was going to bring up because we haven't hasn't been confirmed yet, and it sounds like news will be coming out, and I'd imagine it'll probably be out sometime this week or early next week. What you know, how many teams from each conference are going to qualify for the playoffs? The expectation, right, is that'll be again four from each um, each conference, right? And there's what there's we've got six six teams in the Eastern Conference, six teams in the Western Conference. Do the math, like you should be making the playoffs. Oh, glory, DC, like we should be making the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. and we'll get into like taking any you know any meaning to some of these results in in preseason, but given that. It's probably going to be four teams. I feel like, not to downplay any game, because obviously you want to win every game, but you've got a little more time, I feel like, to figure things out. Uh, yeah. You can do that in the first part, middle part of the regular season. And even if you get down like a game or two, you're certainly not out of it, right? So particularly with the way bonus points break down and all those additional things. So, yeah, I don't... Um, I agree with you. The playoff, how the playoffs are going to work out this year, is certainly going to be factored into how what teams suit up for in the preseason. But the other thing too is just, you know, like if you look at the NFL preseason, like that's different because they've got regular broadcast windows that they know games are going to happen. And most of those games, really, yeah, maybe you fine tune a couple of things for you know the first team offense, a series or two, just to get the kinks out. But it's primarily for those players on the margins who are fighting for a playoff not playoff fighting for a roster spot who really shine in those type of things and they've got four preseason games to do that not the case in in MLR just you know budget constraints and field availability like those things just were just not there yet um which brings me to the the next point here and you know we can announce it people have seen it already but San Diego tied Chicago right 21-21 that was played at Chula Vista some people might be like oh wow man like Chicago really bringing it and of course Chicago has a very improved side but we've got some details on that but it's it's not like it was you know their their first 15 for both sides playing 80 maidens that wasn't the case there and then the other one you know uh, <laughs> RFCLA they knocked off the Utah Warriors 34 to 7 right and you would look at that score line and think oh wow that's a surprising result but is it though like do we really need to take meaning from wins and losses in in some of these games 
Yeah, I you should always treat preseason results with a grain of salt. I mean, it's it's one of those where I think you can tell a lot about individual players in preseason games because individual players play as individual players, and you can you can get really get a sense. Like I remember when we played the new the New England Free Jacks in a, a preseason game, and Bodine this was the first time Bodine Walker was. You know, I saw Bodine walk on the field, and I think I wrote in my notes, uh, Waka is a kicking god. <laughs> because he, he j- was was excellent. You weren't he, wrong. <laughs> he really... Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, I think you can pick up those things. And, like, last year we... I mentioned that, that uh, Grady had a, an excellent an excellent preseason and, and noticed him there, and that... You know that turned out to be a, a a real thing, and so I think I think you can get a sense of where individual players are in these matches. I don't think you can get so much about where the team is, especially since these rosters are just crazy. I mean, if you like Utah got crushed, but if you look at the roster, I mean they had a they had a few big names on there. You know, Joel Hodgson and and Joe Mano, but most of their their starting lineup for that that preseason game that were not starters last year aren't expected to be starters this year or were brand new to the team and so whereas you look at LA's roster and because LA is a you know Utah's an established team like they know what they're doing they're a lot of returning players and so they're probably trying to get everyone else the new players and the guys who are who are lower down the depth chart, a chance to, to sort of prove themselves. For LA, I think it was, you know, this is a chance to brand new team. You've got to get them together somehow. you got to give them some time together. And so you, if you look at their starting lineup for that preseason game, it was it was much closer to what you would expect a starting lineup for that that team to be. I mean, there, was, there were some big names out there for them. And so that pretty much explains why that, that score is the way they were they were getting different things out of it la was trying to you know say here's our starting team this is our best team let's get them some time together and utah was you know messing about and trying to get some guys time and they weren't trying to win it i'm sure they didn't want to lose but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's and it's the same for um Dallas played against Nola, yeah. and while we don't have any details, the rumor seems to be that Dallas actually won that match, which, you know, would be the third match against an MLR team they've ever won ever. But they'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dallas. Maybe that was a little mean. <laughs> but again, you know, we and that one, I don't think we even have have lineups or scoring or anything. So who knows what that looks like but again it's not something you should read too much into yeah well so there's a, we got a, a few more uh this weekend and then the last weekend before the regular season begins we've got four that at least were aware of right there were a couple of matches uh, that we just mentioned where we didn't know they were going to play so we got four more this weekend i think the the neatest one is the the Houston Sabercats are kind of doing this like double header thing uh that at Sabercat Stadium in Houston, the Dallas Jackals are taking on the New England Free Jacks, and then the next day the Sabercats are hosting uh, Nola Gold. So that'll just be fun to see those teams get a run out. The Seawolves, they've got another one. They're actually playing Wednesday night today as we're recording against Canada Selects. Canada Selects have a couple of some, – some, some, it, sh- it should be a different match than the one that Seattle had against the 
Pacific Pride, and that's no dig at the Pacific Pride. Uh, and then the Utah Warriors were taking on the San Diego Legion. And that is the end of preseason because that next week, week one, 2024 MLR season, it is right there, AKP. Yeah, I think our episode next week, we've got more to talk about in this episode, but our next episode next week is we're going to be breaking down our round one matchup. Yeah. Who to look out for? Our expectations. What's the final score? Like all that stuff super excited for super super excited for. yeah we're gonna be getting back into the the swing of the the in-season episodes that's right and which which means we're gonna we're gonna try to go back to recording earlier in the week in the off season we move to kind of the middle of the week just you know work life stuff because the mlr season's taking place we don't want to get too far away from any game say like on a friday or a saturday or a sunday so we're gonna look to record earlier in the season no later than Tuesday, so it'll be somewhere in there. So check your podcast feeds. It'll be coming a little bit earlier. Yeah. Hopefully we can get episodes out on, on Wednesday mornings. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gear up for then week two and all the rest. But anyway, moving on. It could be a couple other things that I want to mention here just in the world of rugby and in the U.S. But speaking of MLR, their former Deputy Commissioner Bill Gorin was just hired as the new CEO of USA Rugby. He's going to be taking over for Ross Young, who's been serving in that role since 2018. Bill Gorin starts next month in March. AKP, I asked uh, the, the, the readers of the Rugby Morning newsletter if Bill Gorin was a good hire for USA Rugby. And overwhelmingly... It was, I think, 95 or 96% of the respondents to that question said yes. So, AKP, your thoughts. Bill hired as the new CEO of USA Rugby. Obviously, he's got ties from, from Major League Rugby, but what does all of this mean? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where you never know how a guy's going to turn out. But when you look at him on paper, there's there's a lot to be optimistic about, I think. So let's start with the fact that he's a financial sort of commercial focused guy he has experience in other sports running them from a sort of commercial perspective and obviously you know he was in mlr for for three or four years and was was sort of a big part of of commercial operations there i think more interestingly is the fact is that mlr experience though you know if you look at the trend for you know, for, for a while there, it looked like world rugby really wasn't too keen on major league rugby, and USA rugby was was sort of tolerant, but neither of them seemed to really trust major league rugby. And partly, I think it was a control thing. I mean, I think world rugby doesn't like the fact that there are these large, wealthy rugby leagues out there. You know, the top fourteen and the Premiership and that are largely independent of world rugby influence. And there's some conflicts there sometimes. I mean, top 14 is famous for not letting players go play for their countries, for example. And, you know, I, I think world rugby would love to, to have more direct control. And I think that's part of why they invested, for example, in Glendale and, and super rugby Americas, where those are tied more directly. Those teams are tied pretty directly to, their national governing bodies and those governing bodies 
are are part of world rugby and so that i think that is how world rugby wanted things to go and usa rugby for a while especially under ross young was really just just following world rugby's lead on these things but then you've really had a, a shift i think missing out on the the world cup really seems to have forced quite a lot of change and you know you had scott lawrence a longtime mlr coach take over the the men's national team you had ross young out and now you've got an mlr a longtime mlr executive in his ceo and you've got anthem the you know usa rugby development team directly in major league rugby as a competition and that's you know you've really we've gone from sort of a skepticism of major league rugby and there were times where i was genuinely slightly concerned that that world rugby or usa rugby was going to pick a serious fight with major league rugby and try and sort of get rid of them and now we've we've gone to completely the opposite it seems like they're all in on major league rugby as sort of the the way usa rugby is going to improve the way rugby in this country is going to be successful especially ahead of the the world cups in in 2031 and 2033 yeah absolutely and we've talked about this before i think it's world rugby and I'll talk about Bill in a second, but World Rugby, like, doubling down, saying we need to make this World Cup in 31-33 a, a, a financial success in the U.S., and a lot of that is going to stem from the fact that we need the American sporting audience to show up to these games so that these matches are well attended so it looks good on TV, right? And we've got seven years, you know, before 31 kicks off, and obviously with the World Cup in 27, the men's Eagles need to qualify for that. No doubt the women's Eagles will qualify, but them becoming more competitive and jumping back into like the, the elite, the top four or five is certainly doable. And they everything seems to be in place right now. Interim tag removed from Scott Lawrence, USA Women's Eagles. They have their new head coach, Sione Fuka 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 Fuka. Sorry, I can't. I'm struggling with his name, but you know the the men's and women's sevens programs. Obviously, the Olympics this summer. The men. But they put it all together. They they got a shot at potentially getting the medal. I think the U.S. women's sevens are a strong contender for a medal. And we'll see how they both perform this weekend, the Vancouver sevens, and then the following weekend uh, in L.A., which will be really interesting for rugby in L.A., right, with the kickoff for the MLR season, L.A. sevens, potentially all taking place in the same venue. Like, exciting stuff, all that. So, I think optimism is the operative word. At least that's what I've used the the last couple of weeks. Um, and I just because I think everyone sees the opportunity that's ahead of us. And I think that alignment between World Rugby, Major League Rugby, it makes a lot of sense. Bill Gorn seems like the guy to get to help us here. And I mean, I haven't heard one negative thing uh, uh, about Bill's hire as the new CEO of of USA Rugby. So I know Ross Young's tenure has been. Um, interesting he's you know the usa rugby bankrupt right a couple times maybe you know certainly covid and the issues with trying to get you know you know mlr quote unquote on track and is mlr doing enough to help the eagles but at the same time mlr is trying to be a for-profit business and their job is to you know they've got similar similar goals but they're not they can't always be aligned on certain things because they're 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 two separate things but look yeah, we obviously give give Bill a chance. I think he he understands the landscape, which is really important. 
So we'll see how this goes. And hopefully it's not a short-term tenure because then we've got a bunch of problems. So wish Bill the best of luck, man. Let's go. We're rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's just good that he's not a sort of long-time USA rugby guy. Who You know, there have been a... It's been a... There have been problems in the past of, of USA rugby maybe being a little too much of a a boy old boys club and and not necessarily moving on from people they should have and you know all the problems that Canada has but it seems like USA rugby is moving past them and and rugby Canada is is not so mm-hmm. yeah good things i'm optimistic we'll see where it goes yeah of course of course of course uh, moving on real quickly, we mentioned USA 7s, men's and women's. They're going to be uh, playing in Vancouver 7s this weekend. The USA women right now, they're in fifth place in the standings. They're just a couple points back of fourth and third. I think they got a pretty full roster for this Vancouver. I think these next two stages will be really important for what the team looks like in Paris, only because, you know, as you get to later into the 7s season, you know, the balance, making sure the players are fine-tuned versus the the injury risk of Paris. Like, you know, the U.S. is, is certainly not going to – women are not going to drop out of the top eight, so they're going to qualify for that grand final in Madrid. The goal, obviously, is to get a medal, and I think they got a real shot at that. So it'll be interesting to see what the strategy looks like over these next two couple of weeks. USA men, on the other hand, they're eighth right now. They're right on that cut line. You know, the top eight make the grand final yeah. for Madrid – 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever, go through some type of, you know, rep charge, if you will, to try and get back into it or, or something like that. I could have it wrong. But then there's a challenger series. But the point is, USA men need to get back on track. They've got another full roster, um, this one. They performed pretty well in Perth. They just had an unfortunate loss, I think, to Australia that kind of knocked them out. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they won a lot of games and then lost the yeah. one that they needed to, to win. So. Uh, so we'll be tracking that. You can watch. I think the first first couple rounds will be on Rugby Pass TV, and then the semifinals and finals will move to Peacock. And I think all the times are decent because it's on Vancouver. So, you know, uh, yeah. West Coast, Mountain, Central, Eastern time should all be good to be able to watch uh, this weekend. But AKP, Six Nations, round three, back. We've got Ireland versus Wales. Scotland versus England and France versus Italy. AKP, closing thoughts here. Give me your, if you can only one watch one match live this weekend of the Six Nations, which one is it? Well, I mean, I'm going to be watching England, Scotland, but if I, if I had to pick one game, like, you know, not out of sort of fan obligation to watch. I think it would be France, Italy. I think that's that's going to be the the one to, the one to watch because, you know, it's a chance to get right game for France. It's a chance for them to to get themselves. I mean, I know they they managed to just barely beat Scotland, but but this it would be a chance for them to sort of to actually find their form again. But you know, France has been shaky. Italy been looking pretty pretty put together you know they certainly you know, the difference between italy this year and italy you know five ten years ago is is so massive it could be a chance for italy to pick up an upset and you know i just always like watching italy and cheering for italy so 
So that's probably the one that I would choose. You know, um, I think it's that Scotland England one. Um, it's gonna be spicy it's, that it's, one. It's gonna be. I don't know if it'll be good quality rugby, but it'll be yeah, fun. qualifier. Good relative term. Um, it's not going to. I don't think it's going to be a wide open, spin the ball out, high scoring. I I could be entirely wrong. The way England wants to play their game, they've got a couple of players who are returning um, from injury. England needs a little more help in that forward pack, a little more punch. I mean, they're going to try their best to be absolute menaces and pests to to Finn Russell it's going to be your classic, yeah, it's going to be your classic Calcutta match between those two nations. Probably a low-scoring, grind-it-out, beat-em-up game. Could be for some high drama, which could be fun, right? But um, that one I think I'm most interested in, in watching. I agree with you that France-Italy, that could be, that's such a big question mark. Like, Italy could could stun them. And I don't know if stun them is the right word, but Italy could certainly put a pop into them. Ireland right now at this point has no business losing to Wales. I'm sorry. If they want to do... Yeah. If they want to be back-to-back Grand Slam champs, they have no excuse dropping this one to Wales. They just—it should Absolutely. not happen. Shouldn't happen. But and I have to say, you know, I said I said that I would take Ireland not winning the Grand Slam this year. I've changed my mind on that. I've I've gone back on that. Like, I really don't think there's any chance that Scotland is is going to beat them. They just Scotland doesn't have the 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 focus to be able to stick it out england has more of a chance but i don't know that i would i would bet on them i don't think they've got a greater than 50 percent chance and so i think i don't i don't think it's a guarantee that that ireland grant gets the grand slam but i i think it's more likely than not all right give me your score for scotland versus england ah so i think scotland versus england you're gonna get Scotland's going to race to a 14-point lead. They're going to go into halftime with a 14-10 lead. And then the end of the game, it's going to be, a, we'll call it England's 20 to Scotland 14. Ooh. That's what Scotland I gets blanked in the second half. Yeah. You know, it's funny. And it's going to happen because they're going to have opportunities for a penalty, and they're going to go for the, the, the try instead because they feel the need to catch up to England. Oh. I like it. I, I was. It's funny because my my score prediction isn't too far off. I think it's. Um, I think it, it plays out similarly. Um, Scotland gets the lead, slight lead at halftime. England gets the lead. Scotland punches back and retakes the lead at the end. I think they win by like two or something like that. A low scoring, like twenty two to twenty, twenty one nineteen, yeah. something like that. Scotland is bringing real like. Utah Warriors circa 2021 vibes. They've got, they've, they've got some like, players coming back too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's... And who knows? Maybe Scotland will lo- lose on a controversial try at the end of the... Or win on a controversial try right at the end. How funny would that be? That would just be... That would just be poetic. Poetic justice. But... So... <laughs> I like my chaos, and that would yeah, be I mean, chaos. Look, chaos, absolutely. It's 100% chaos. Chaos can be fun if it's I'm not involved in it. So, uh, <laughs> that is, absolutely. so lots to look forward to this week. I mean, there's just so much. We're getting to the point now in the calendar and the part of the year where there's just from here on out, every weekend, there's just going to be tons of rugby to watch, to talk yeah. about. Super excited. Um, there's really not going to be a break between now and September, maybe September. Maybe September there might be a break. Yeah. Um, 
So like it's a good yeah, point. Gear up. Oh, speaking of speaking of the fall, uh, we forgot to mention that the the USA is confirmed to be playing Spain in November. That's correct. That is correct. I think that's the first of the USA's games to to come out publicly, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I'm hearing. I mean, I I wish they would just release that whole that whole schedule for the the whole I'm year. I'm hearing a couple of things. I'm hearing some stuff from folks who live in the DMV area or in and around it and can drive to it from a couple hours away. I'm hearing some good things. I don't know. Can't confirm, but we'll see. We'll see. It would be cool to have some internationals we'll here. Gee, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? We'll see. That would certainly help us out for that MLR playoff thing. Wouldn't have to travel too much, but we'll see. We'll see. Just speculation on my part, but AKP, uh, next week's episode, we are going to break down the week one opponent. We're going to get into 2024 MLR. Who we scout and players to look out for. I mean, we are going to bang right into it. I'm looking forward to that. We only have one weekend left before the start of the 2024 MLR season. So, whew, catch your breath real quick. For my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. Week one next week. Let's go. Ooh.